This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. everybody to another episode of mc fireside chats my name is brian searle with insider perks we are missing our co-host kira today she had a friend who went into labor coincidentally 15 minutes before the show it feels like it's planned but maybe not anyway we're missing kara today super excited to welcome her back next week as our regular co-host and then this week is our regular kind of campground owner focused episode so we've got one recurring guest out of our normal recurring guests nate thompson from kcn campgrounds welcoming him to his actually his first show of being a recurring guest we're excited mm-hmm. to learn about KCN campgrounds, what they do in the industry, some of the things that they have their hands into. And then now we've got Travis John here from, I'm sorry, Travis, I forgot your company. Web3 Blockchain. Campers Dow. Campers yeah. Dow. Okay. And so he's going to talk to us a little bit about Web3 Blockchain, some of the different things that he's playing with. We'll try to decipher that into maybe an English language thing so we can all understand it. And then, of course, we have Ali and Eric Eastern. I'm speechless guys, campgrounds, they're on the 15 parks now, and we'll talk to a little bit about about their history, how they got started, things like that. And we're excited to do that. So do we want to just briefly go around and let, since we have basically three new, four new people, Ali and Eric, I'm just counting you as one view on my camera lens. But do we want to start just introducing everybody and a little bit about yourselves and then we can deep dive. So whoever wants to start first. Well, we're happy to start. <laughs> my name is Ali and this is Eric. Um, we are the co-founders of Spacious Skies Campgrounds. We have 15 campgrounds, RV campgrounds. We have Ben's here. It's all that from Maine down to now Georgia and out to Tennessee. All of our uh, team members are Spacious Skies Campground employees. So we are a, a collection. Operates all together. So I'm very curious, and I definitely want to go around. I'm sorry, Eric, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to ask you a question, but go ahead if you were going to say something. No. Okay. I was just going to, I was just going to say, I want to go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves, but tell me what's the dynamic, like husband and wife team working together and who takes on what responsibility and what roles just briefly. Eric, why don't you say what you do since it's chicken or the egg, right? I think that for sure. Eric's role is the chicken here. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I focus generally on acquisitions, capital markets, and asset management. So out searching for new campgrounds to acquire, lining up financing, debt and equity, and then just general, again, asset management oversight of portfolio operations. And then I am on the side of operations of actually running the campgrounds, uh, the brand development, marketing, all of that stuff and then eric also he also runs the like property improvements capital improvements side of things awesome i'm really excited to dive more into this because i think it's a fascinating and nate obviously you can weigh in on this from kcm campgrounds too just mm-hmm. how you from starting point right my first park i bought but then how do i grow an operations team and a marketing team and all the people that are necessary to run every facet of the campground i think that's a, a really interesting story that you guys could play off each other for but go ahead nate Tell us about um, I'm Nate Thompson. I'm one of the founders of ACN Campgrounds. We have a portfolio of currently of seven parks. And unlike Ali and Eric that kind of run vertically up and down the East Coast, we were, run more horizontally with parks in Utah all the way out to Tennessee. We're building a portfolio. Currently, our last park we purchased was in December, and we've got additional parks in the pipeline. Our goal is, and model is we are looking for parks that are maybe underutilized, under amenitized, if you will, and pulling those with new amenities, accommodations, and whatnot that are more in tune with what people are looking for these days in parts that have been, maybe they were built in the 60s or the 70s and not really optimized for RVs of the current size and status, the amenity set, accommodation set of the current needs and demands of our guests. Awesome. Thank you, Nate. Definitely look forward to diving more into what TCN has to offer. And then Travis, one outlier here who doesn't own a multitude of parks, 
really cool technology, Web3 blockchains. Can you briefly try to introduce your company, what you want to accomplish? And then, of course, we'll definitely dive deeper into what you're offering. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. And I'll be learning quite a bit from our panel of experts here as well. Yeah, we're launching something completely new for this industry. The concept itself is not new. We're crowdfunding with the passionate RVers to buy an RV park. So start First start with one, as all of us here on the call will, and move forward from there. And similar, Nate, our focus is really on, on the upper end of amenity-rich type of focus of potentially buying existing campgrounds, but even the possibility of creating our own. But really our focus is around the modern camper. A lot of the push toward more amenities. Of course, that's not for everyone, but there's enough demand where we're seeing that currently. Definitely a destination type of campground. And in our case, we have 10,000. We're focusing on crowdfunding with 10,000 fellow RVers to buy our first campground. And we are also, we also have a private investor model that we're bolting onto this. So from a growth mm -hmm. standpoint, our advisory board, if you will, is going to be our 10,000 members that are going to be crowdfunding our first campground. So where we feel this is a unique step in is really where the kind of the techie language comes in, but it's really just using blockchain technology, which has been around for decades to use, to, to democratize the ability to vote and the ability to make decisions, which campgrounds to buy, how to operate them. We're looking to also vertically integrate operations. You want to out, not outsourcing that. So quite a few of our members will also be team members, ultimately be part of the strategy. So we're really looking to first, obviously it's crawl before you walk and then before you run, but this is a first time we're doing this. I'm involved in a project that's in the golf industry, just as a member that, that they've been able to make this work with the same kind of technology and we're excited to do this in the camping business. So I think one of my first questions, and I have a limited knowledge of blockchain, right? So I'm a, a, enough to be dangerous, but my, one of my initial questions here is I'm, I'm hearing you talk and before you go into the technology and how that helps and things like that, I can probably just go into the heads of myself, Ali, Eric, Nate, we have investors. In some cases, we own partial businesses of the parts of our companies. Nobody probably here can imagine having 10,000 partners. So how does that work? How do you keep everybody happy in your model, right? With 10,000 right. people voting up. So that's my opening question. And that's really where blockchain makes it a lot easier because it is fully democratized. Everything is literally on the blockchain. And it does. it's not overly techie with the tools that are available now. It's very similar to logging into to your Gmail using a, a Web3 wallet these days. So of course we provide training, people that maybe aren't quite up to this. A lot of our focus is around the millennial camper, so to speak, because so really like the crypto blockchain stuff isn't actually that, that difficult to comprehend in the sense that a lot of times it's already part of what their day-to-day -day might be. But it's something where you're able to see all the votes, everyone, there's no lack of accountability in that case. And it's also not, cumbersome because we're not voting on, should we replace the toilet paper in the bathroom? Right thing. It's just not little things. We're focusing on strategic goals. So it's where do we want a campground to be voting on specific campgrounds criteria that we want at those campgrounds and then sourcing them. So that's good old fashioned sourcing as you guys are doing on this call. Travis, I'm super curious. So for instance, you talked about like the location. Is yeah. that something that would come up as a member-based vote? So for instance, yeah. parks that were a potential to buy in three different locations and a blast would go out to all the members and say, pick your one of the three that you would prefer. And then that kind of tallies up and informs the direction of the business. Is that how it works? That's correct. Yeah. So there's a, we'd use a tool, like one of the tools is called Snapshot. It, it, for, it's free for, so you don't have to pay like gas fees, what they call in, in the blockchain world, like to connect your wallet and do those transactions, you're able to vote on a, what we call a proposal. So we'll have a proposal 1.10 for location, Southeast locations. We have these three Southeast locations. We give them all the details and then our 10,000 members are able to, and of course they've already given us criteria to say, Hey, we want to find one in the Southeast. We wouldn't even be looking in the Southeast if that's not already not a, a hot button. So from there, yes, they would vote on those. And it would be from that point, once we find a consensus, we would move forward with the next step. Super interesting. So I think one of the most important things we should just set the precedent for briefly with you, Travis, is just to, to explain the blockchain for people who don't understand, right? We've heard this kind of buzzword yeah. tossed around and what does it mean? Is it crypto? Is it not crypto? Obviously <laughs> crypto is on the blockchain. I know yeah. that because I'm way too much of a geek, 
but let's take this to, and I want to see if you agree with this, Travis. I have not read this. I literally just did this while you were typing. You can see here, I think you can see. Give me a second. Let me turn this on. So this is ChatGPT. So I just took this in here and said, explain blockchain for a fifth grader and use an analogy, just because that's really easy. It says, all right, imagine a digital notebook that everyone in your class has a copy of. This notebook keeps a record of every time someone in your class trades stickers with each other. Each time a trade happens, the details are written down in a page of the notebook. Once the page is full, it's sealed with a special tape that can't be opened, and a new page begins. This special tape also has a secret code that connects it to the previous page, making them link together. Now this digital notebook is called a blockchain. The pages are called blocks, and the special tape with the secret code is called the chain. Just like the notebook, a blockchain records all the transactions, or contracts, or votes in this case, right? Like sticker trades, in a secure and organized way. Since every student has a copy of the notebook, it's really hard for anyone to cheat or change the sticker trades because everyone would have to agree to change their own copy too. This makes the blockchain trustworthy and safe. In the real world, blockchain is used for things like digital money called cryptocurrencies and other types of data. So give us your take and spin on that from me. You know that I love ChatGPT, so I'm glad you asked it. I and mean, that was certainly, I couldn't have strung that together any, any better but I would explain it as a distributed ledger, but the notebook analogy and the stickers in the classroom by the fifth grade level is a great way to put it is ultimately that is, that's really where the foundation of this is. This is for the first time you're truly able to have transparency among voting because <clears throat> we've all had social networks and we have ability to vote, but as investors know on this call, if you had 10,000 partners, that'd be a nightmare. Yeah. As you point out, Brian. So. Ultimately, in this case, we will have limited partners that are putting in money to, to scale our campground portfolio, but ultimately our advisors who are really our industry experts, our ARVers, sometimes full-time ARVers, they're the ones that are truly voting on the direction of the project. And it is immutable. You cannot change this ledger. You can't change the notebook from your analogy you mentioned. So that's what we find is exciting. And I really, the fact that we put it in the hands of the everyday RVer to guide the direction. I, I realize it's more work, but it's just with technology, it does streamline a lot of the presented headaches that seem to seem to be on the surface. Yeah, we're excited about it. And for, to the point of blockchain, there's so many ways to aggregate your community, backend buddy press plugins as Brian, as, as well as things like Discord. So organizing the community through communication is also very important. We're also working very hard on that so that all those members have a voice, not just in their voting, but just in the communication. Everybody can collaborate. We have in-person events, but it's not just all about this virtual avatar kind of world. So I think we could probably talk about this forever when we bored to death yeah, yeah. everybody who is watching it. But because I'm a big geek too, like I would love to talk about blockchain and NFTs and use cases of how those yeah, things yeah. will come up in the future. But we do have a bunch of other amazing guests here. So I want to get into a Spacious Guys and Casey and Campgrounds. But before Stop I do... I have to talk about our sponsor, Firefly Reservation. So we're going to play a quick video. We'll be right back. Did you know most campers prefer to reserve online? Are you missing reservations? Firefly makes it easy to run your campground and accept reservations online anytime. With Firefly, you can quickly message campers, simply handle ongoing reservations, and automate emails and payment processing, giving you back time to run your campground. You can start your free trial today. No credit card needed. Visit FireflyReservations.com to learn more. Super appreciative of Firefly Reservations for being a regular sponsor of our campground owner show. So they're easy, just easy campground reservation software for RV parks and campgrounds. So if you are in need of that, please give them a shout, do a demo and see if they might be a good fit for you. So let's dive in here. Who wants to start? KCN, Spacious Guys, should we do a coin toss? Do you want to alternate? Just add one part, one part, one part. <laughs> we went first last time. Nate, you go ahead. So Brian, what specifically would you like me to cover? Where directionally, where are we headed here? So I think it's interesting to me. Let's play out this starting point, right? And that starting point, I think we talked about that both you and Spacious Guys share and can interplay between each other on is how you, because that story of how you got started and how you started staffing and how you decide what to acquire, when to acquire, whether to acquire, leads us to tell the story of both of your organizations pretty well, I think, but I hope so. Sure. Okay. So KCN is partnership. I've got two other partners. 
And they've been in, I have the benefit of having two partners that have been in the, in the campground for a little bit longer than I have. As I mentioned before the show to Travis, I'm kind of a recovering technology professional myself. I've been in real estate and real estate projects most of my adult life. So my partners, Kevin and Cam have been in the campground space, owning a couple of parks themselves. I know them through my kids, likely, and we're staying there one of the parks a couple of summers ago. And we started talking about the campground industry and the campground space and looking around the park in Green River, Utah, where we were staying, seeing all the campers and whatnot, my brain started working. And so in talking with Kevin and Cam, we decided that there was an opportunity to go at a bigger scale with some of the things in my background that I've done in the past to help maybe put some more gasoline in the tank to take this to a bigger level. And so the first part, talking about that, we started getting an actual management company in place, all the gasoline that's necessary to really scale and run the that we intended to buy. And then we bought our first park last spring and bought four parks last year as we started to ramp up the acquisition side of the business. There's kind of two pieces, right? There's, and I'm sure Ali and Eric, I'm excited to hear how you've got that divided as well. We've got kind of the acquisition and the growth aspect of the business. And then it's kind of almost its own entity. And then separate but related, we've got a management company that actually operates the parks. So within that, well, kind of the shared on finance, marketing, park operations, HR, recruiting, those kinds of things. So those things work together. Um, the management company were, as we get that stood up and kind of formalized, which is well done, we can add additional parks to it. We've got best practices that we can apply across all of them. I have. Did you say that you you founded or you started building the management company before you acquired your first park? Is that right? We did. We have it's a little bit of a blurry timeline in a sense because yeah. we already had a couple of parks. And so yes. there was there were teams in place at those parks, but no real centralized management other than the two of them. And so in order for us to scale, we really needed to put together a standalone entity that all of the teams at the park roll into. That has functions like, like I said earlier, but yeah, holding the airplane while it's in the air to a certain degree, that's the goal really is all of those functions are centralized in one org. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we did it backwards. <laughs> we went this with the intention of being a little bit more passive on the investor side of things. Our original plan was to, we, we thought that our portfolio would max out at four or five campgrounds, all third party managed and we so we closed on our first campground with that plan in mind may mm-hmm. of 2021 and day one at that business plan was definitely not going to come to <laughs> fruition so i ended up um sticking around getting a two-week crash course in campground management as i was doing it while eric was home with our three kids in new jersey I was up in Maine, and that is where the the realization that we should build our own property management company and upgrade our mm-hmm. ourselves was born. Uh, so I was able to leave the property after a few weeks after the after we got a manager in place. But yeah, that, from then on, we started to hire up and game plan what the management company should and does look like now. So I think that it's felt like we've. And but we positions did not slow down while we were simultaneously mm-hmm. building management company. I think that we definitely felt like we were playing catch up a little bit more until probably right about now, just based on the timing of things. We did not go into this game planning our own management company, but it was it was so obviously the right thing to do when we realized right. it was the right thing to do, and we have been lucky enough to like the leadership side of things we were able to recruit folks that eric worked with and in his past life real estate development and and really build up from there it totally makes sense because you and what we realized i think similar is with that kind of vertical integration you control everything from the guest experience to the back office all of the capex projects that's a big focus for us is we want to buy parks that have the capacity for expansion and improvements and maybe optimization of the layouts and the site types and whatnot. That's a big focus for us as well. And it's hard to do that arm's length, I think, as opposed to having an integrated team where you're talking to your managers 
on a weekly basis and you've got budgets and you've got guest feedback and you've got team feedback and it builds a, an engine that, that I think can really drive a lot faster and provide a better experience ultimately to the guests. That's right. That's cool. right. We also, we're closer to the road where we're seated at this campground. So apologies if you guys all hear road noise. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that we did often from the get-go was decide that we were going to build a brand and develop a unique brand, a new brand in the space. We look up to KOA and Jellystone and Sun and all of the brands that are the big time players. And so we, that was the goal from the start. And we do find, and I think realized quickly as well, that building that brand would have been almost impossible with third party management. I think for just like many of the same reasons that you just described, but especially when we're trying to develop continuity of something that is forward facing like that. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think there's a huge value in that brand development. We have a little bit of a different approach in the sense we're more of a, like an Intel inside approach. All of our parks are KOA parks. And so the KCN brand is more focused on our investor community and our as opposed to the end customer or the end guests that are at our parks. Um, and honestly, just a quick plug for KOA, they, that, that model, I think we get such a great value from being part of that organization, that family, that franchise model with respect to marketing and operations and technology and the leadership there we're close with and very proud of being part of that and see the leadership that, that Toby and others have at that organization. It's, it's great to be part of that. And that I think has helped us accelerate, not having to build some of those things from scratch, but rather being able to draft behind the existing activities, technologies, programs that are in place there have helped us scale, I think, quite a bit faster than if we had done it from scratch. Like it sounds like you have just, it's a lot of work. For the fainted part. Our favorite acquisitions definitely are our KOAs. It's mm -hmm. a great foundation to, to work with. Yeah, plug and play. It's just, okay, all of these things are already ready to go. That's really true. It's really true. I think what you guys are talking about too is, is very interesting from a branding perspective, right? Because this is more of my area. And it's interesting to me how, you, how different branding can be. And, and this all goes back for me from a knowledge perspective all the way back to Nike, right? Nobody would ever imagine a swoosh was a shoe company, but they made it that. You'd never imagine a fruit would be a technology company like Apple, but they made it that. And so... I think it very much is useful that today, given all of our tools and all of our technology and all of the things that we can use, like, I don't think you could build a brand like Spacious Guys or TCM the same way in the same compressed time period in 1970 as you could today. You know, Warren Buffett really said it takes 20 years to build a brand and five, or to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. I think that's not necessarily true anymore. I think you can, no. maybe not five minutes, certainly still mm -hmm. five minutes, but. <laughs> we'll show off some of your guys' websites while you talk. Am I allowed to do that, Nate? I know where it's maybe sure. Yeah, we're closing in on kind of the final launch candidate for our new KCN website. We're very excited. It's a labor of love. And anytime you work on something like that reflects your team and your organization and your mission and whatnot, it's a painful process, right? To to birth something like that. With all those caveats, Brian, if you'd like to share it, sure. That's <laughs> Well, we're, yeah, we'll share it yeah. spacious guys too. And yeah, it's a work in progress. Um, so this is really interesting to me and, and shameless plug, I guess we helped you design this website. Yeah. But it's, it's very interesting to me the kind of the direction that we took from it, right? This is not unlike, I have never seen anything like this in the industry, but this art that you're looking at is entirely AI generated. So yeah. we've taken basically this theme of drawing throughout the entire website of hand black sketch, and obviously added a little bit of color here in the water, but as you scroll down, it's just nice and clean and just generated different. Like everything is completely from scratch. It's using an AI, and, but then we carry that over to, we'll look at like your team. So your team page of everybody, we've carried that kind of theme over into the drawings and into the headers and then all those kinds of things that just make that quirky, not even quirky, but unique KCN brand stand out that we're looking for to building. So I'm really, yeah, I'm really proud of how that turned out. I love it. I love the fact that you were willing to let me play around with the AI art too. Oh, I think it's great. I think that the, the taking advantage of technology and where things are and where things are headed is a passion of mine personally and being able to plug that in, particularly in an industry that I don't think has 
there's a lot of open field running from a technology perspective in the camp camping and campground space, I believe. So this is kind of a number Yeah, we're super happy with how it's turned out. And the fact that this small you know, AI-generated artwork is something of a pride point for us as we launched this site. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, well done. That's really nice. And then the flip side is spacious guys. So this is uh, obviously a completely different look, but still, you've heard, obviously, he's done a great job getting the brand out there already. You've had a little bit of lead time from where Nate's starting at, right? I, I constantly get hear compliments for your website about the trails that you're drawing and the graphics yeah. and just the branding and the loyalty programs and just this website's beautiful. And it's either I had nothing to do with this website, wow. <laughs> but it's beautiful. Yeah, this it's, is a work we work with a local shop in our hometown. Um, we can walk to their studio from our house. And for sure, it is, we, labor of love is a really great way to put it. Earlier this year, we launched this integrated website. We started things mm-hmm. with individual URLs. We had a main HQ website, but booking and all of that was on individual URLs for each campground. And now we've integrated everything into this massive website. At the same time, we integrated our booking software. We use CampSpot. And so we we took advantage of the API integration. And it is, there we go. (laughs) It's my internet. It's just my internet. And then also the third thing that we launched in February was our Spacious Guys loyalty program. So that was that was also an early intention that we finally got out there. And we call our loyalty program members Cosmic Campers and Cosmic Kiddos and Cosmic Canines. Put that mm-hmm. up there too. Um, and so we, it's, it's a familiar model. We have an annual fee, small annual fee for a discount on a reservation and a couple little perks here and there as we develop them. We just started with the basics. We don't have a, like a tiered program or points or anything just yet, but it's, it's been really great. I think today our count was 325 members since Ooh. our February 15th launch. Our initial completely made up goal was 50 members a month for the first year. And so we're, we need a new goal now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> think about goals when you blow past them you got to reset quickly that's right that's right now we have to challenge ourselves that's right yeah i remember commenting ali now that we we're looking at because about your new website launch a few months ago so yeah it's yeah amazing it looks great and it's interesting too that kind of the juxtaposition of our two books yeah. yours is very consumer focused it focuses on the parks and booking and amenities and what which totally makes sense that's the audience and I'm curious from a management perspective, when you consolidate those all into one versus having 12 different websites, how does that work? How is that? Is it now one twelfth the effort to manage your website? That's, uh, not one twelfth. I would say like one a quarter easier, maybe. Mm-hmm. We're definitely like tweaking it all the time. Every week okay. there's a new way to streamline it. We just made the realization that we were copying and pasting and updating the same line 14 times over because we had mm-hmm. our rules set up on each campground's sub page. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, why are we doing this? We're going to consolidate all of that and make everything in a common area. And yes, the intention is to keep on streamlining and yeah. make it less ever. But I'm not sure about your, your man, man, managers or how you're like, the guest communication or your even your social engagement who is handling all that so far everything that we do yeah we have uh, we have not allowed our or not trained our managers on handling any of that engagement like uh, at the social perspective we so we manage all that in-house with our marketing team and similarly like to man no no one's touching the websites no one's touching like the social pages except for our, our little team of three yeah, I could caveat or qualify that a little bit. So I'm our, a marketing person, um, sure. but we have participation from a manager level on social. So our campground managers are posting to Facebook and whatnot. We also do that at a corporate level. On site, we've got a program or a platform called Zingle, which is a text messaging platform yeah. that integrates with the reservation management system that K2 has called, or that KOA has called K2. And so there's both automated 
kind of text messaging that happens as guests both are close and then they arrive and then they're on site and then they depart. And then there are a library of different single messages that can be done kind of one-off mm-hmm. the park managers and their teams control and manage as well. And then my job is to really put the heads in beds, if you will, from a marketing and a overarching demand gen perspective with marketing programs to help generate guests being on site of the parks. I just saw when I logged into Camp Spot today on the admin side, I just saw have launched a new like improved text feature that I can't mm-hmm. wait to dive into because really it's necessary. So yeah, we've seen yeah. a lot of really good response to that. And it's just a quick, very unintrusive way to communicate different things to guests as they're approaching or if there's a late check-in, then there's a, the ability to link to a whole late check-in paid for the park and whatnot. Of, here's where to go. Here's what to do. Here's how to do it. And then it, it, there's also ability to drive kind of interaction and retail engagement while they're on site at the parks as well. Yep. That's been a really good tool for us so far. Instead of just taking for our new function. Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, you want to provide the, the best guest service possible and talk to both of you at different points, right? For different things. It just offered my unsolicited opinions, right? Sometimes. But uh, moving forward with the tech, with the text messaging that people prefer to do over emails because maybe they get too much email spam and there's not enough value there or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. easy for them to look on their device. That just enhances the guest experience coming, going, like you were talking about, receiving the post-departure emails from CampSpot. But also, I'm really excited where this is going to go in the future. And both of you know that I'm, well, all right, I'm really obsessed with the But But one of the things like personalization of guest emails that we've talked about before where like you can plug in data just like the hotel collects your preferences and then give somebody a personalized guide that no one else has to the local area or to your campground or to what you might or might not enjoy or where you might want to stay or book or not. I'm interested in continuing to explore those things and see where that kind of goes. I think that there's a, there's so much open field running in that capacity as you overlay AI onto some of this stuff because there's with Campsot or Campspot rather or K2, there's a pretty rich data set about your guest and, where they, and what they've done across parks and whatnot, things that they've engaged with or interacted with, and then using something like a text messaging platform with some AI overlay, the ability to send very specific targeted messages based on that data set to a guest with text, which is a very contextually point in time touch point. I think that there's a lot of upside, a lot of headroom for that experience to really continue to grow and mature and ultimately be very valuable to the guest to suggest things that they may not otherwise think of across the park or the location or region that they're in. I think that's where you can optimize. No, go ahead, Trevor. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Even with like your chat, Brian, and some of those things, you can use different stages of that journey because it could even Mm be on your website, Valley, Eric, from a brand perspective where someone's chatting, maybe they're considering booking, but they don't know, as you mentioned, Nate, like they aren't fully aware. And we know it's just the amount of research you have to do for a trip you're going on and where you know, where to mm-hmm. stay, what kind of restaurants are there. If you're able to personalize that very quickly, that could be a huge conversion optimizer for that mm-hmm. stay. So I think that's, it's interesting to see where all these, it, it can be obviously an enhancement at the end to thank them for their visit or changing the reservation last minute through text message when they're mm-hmm. arriving late, late arrival procedures, et cetera. But yeah, it's, I think you're right, Brian. It's just, there's so much that we can do as brands and as investors to really make the guest experience better. I think that's why you guys chose to vertically integrate as well is that I think that's many brands, many that are focused on just that third party side of things may have a tough road in the next three, four years, in, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, yeah. And even like Travis, you're saying, think, think about the on-site experience where AI baby steps, where a guest gets to a park and say, hey, if you'd like, if you'd like some curated or some custom recommendations, tell us five things or things or 10 things about you, your family, things you like to do. And I can basically weave that into a very specific customized package for that guest. And Brian just did on chat GPT, right? In seconds, the, the ability for us to do that from a human time perspective, it doesn't scale, right? But if you can build some of these little like modules or components that can start to weave that, I think could be a pretty interesting differentiator for parks that have something like that as an onsite tool or feature or option for guests. And it and really is just, you know, millions of things. You can, it's only limited by your imagination. And we've only started to imagine as a toddler taking its first couple steps of what this is possible, right? And I really need my lawyer here, Christine Taylor, to, to make sure I don't say anything silly during the show. But imagine from a guest safety standpoint, right? 
Like you could set up AI to Tido proximity sensor for when a bear comes near their cabin and they just get a text message that says five bear safety tips. And fifty percent off bear spray. Yeah. Wait again. Three, two, one. Time to take off the bacon suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm curious, Eric, you've been a little bit quiet, so I want to gently ease you into the conversation here. I'm just curious, let's continue the story, right? With how we build. So we've got fundamentals that we've laid down. We're up to the branding standpoint. We've got really nice websites, regardless of how many parks we have or don't have at this point. How does that interplay work? And Nate, you can speak to this too, I'm sure. Between I want to go out and I want to look for more campgrounds, but I want to make sure that I'm not overwhelming the team who's operating the campground. Yeah, I'm worried that, that that's a constant balance, I think, continually working through. And we capitalized, we built the property management platform. We, we staffed up on that ahead of our kind of mass acquisition run. So we were a little bit ahead of the game, but it's a constant churn of growth and then figuring out new systems and how do we handle this new scale. And as we bring on more parks, a different element of the business and the operations that is getting tweaked next to, to accommodate that scale and future growth. So we, it's, it's, it's a constant balance that I think we'll probably be dealing with in perpetuity mm-hmm. as we continue to grow. But when we did have a head start on the staffing piece to handle the acquisition as we planned. Once we realized that, mm-hmm. that we were, uh, what our fate was. <laughs> that we yeah, right after that first acquisition, we knew we weren't going yeah. third party anymore. That's when we staffed up immediately a month or two ahead of our kind of next wave of acquisitions. Yeah, that's right. And I think that as a, for company culture that goes along with consumer side of the brand, we are trying to build this team culture that one of like our characteristics that we we are trying to make sure everybody like embodies is this the idea of being able to like be nimble and be flexible and mm-hmm. like not too tied down to any one silo so as we grow and we're continuing to like work and develop our team and like who is responsible for what who leads what every few months or so we can take a look at like, what all has to be done and what all mm-hmm. what needs attention and everyone's just sort of like flexible and open to to redistributing of responsibilities if necessary or just tweaking how everybody's day-to-day looks and i think that also allows us to move at whatever pace we intend to move and we, it also ebbs and flows a little bit throughout our evolution and we also what external factors are playing into it as well right now we're finding ourselves in a really good position 2023, we're uber focused on operations and getting everything perfect, everything perfected as opposed to, listen, there, there's a lot of acquisition opportunities out there, but it is a lot harder right now. It's a lot more work. We're closing on the, on the really good fraternities, but using this external, external circumstances to hone this piece of our business because right. it's what makes the most sense for our future, future growth. Yeah, that totally, I'm curious as you've gone through that, obviously one, two, three parks is different than the scale of the number that you've got now from a technology perspective, what have been maybe some of the components or the pieces of that overall platform that you've built that have been great until they weren't great or have been things that you decided you need to add you yeah. know, as you, you hit a certain scale? What does that, that look like? Yeah. Hey, great, great, great question. The one that, that comes to mind immediately is our accounting processes and the technology there. Like when we started just doing it as we did it, right. And it always was always a secondary thought to acquisitions and other kind of value driving activities. Whereas now that we have a lot of scale and we're finding that scale makes some things a lot easier and makes other things a lot harder. And those are the things we got to design processes around. And that's a big one is accounting and driving a lot of technological efficiencies with that to handle the scale and what we're on the tail end of rebuilding our entire infrastructure and mm. set up for 15 parks, it'll be set up for a hundred parks. So that's right. a good example of like kind of getting over that, that, that initial kind of gap and getting the processes in place. And we believe it'll carry us through our next several phases of growth. Yeah. One thing that we just transitioned from, or like we're at the tail end with the accounting processes, because we have so many team members and so many different locations managing purchasing and approvals and all that stuff we were doing it with excel spreadsheet packages and very it was a very manual process with bank of america credit cards in everybody's hands that we need to cancel and reissue every Mm -hmm. time there was a problem like 
I'm looking at my, my, my browser bookmarks right now. We've just graduated to using ramp cards <laughs> instead of like the Bank of America cards that everybody had mm -hmm. in the end. processing things through bill.com instead of just a, a, our accounting manager's email address. Things like that, that it may have seemed obvious to someone else who is growing and or building, growing a company. Like those are things that we had to catch up on because we were focused on the other elements of building. And that's like definitely one thing. And I, the IT side of things, we have so many devices across mm. and accounts and all that stuff. But we're, we're probably seeking a, a third party IT solution versus the head of IT, which is me right now, me and our GoDaddy account. So I'd that's be everyone's favorite job. With that. But that's everybody's favorite job, being the head of IT. <laughs> yeah. Can't print. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what, how you're scaling all of that. It's funny. So we're on ramp also, and I brought a controller onto the team that I've worked with in the past and gave her some time and thought space to put together what would be a good scalable platform for accounting and bookkeeping and whatnot. And so we've got ramp for all the expense management, which is a fantastic platform. And all of our managers have ramp cards, virtual cards and whatnot. That's integrated directly into QuickBooks online. As is now, we did a kind of a custom integration with K2. So all of our reservation data comes out of K2 and goes directly into QBO as well as ramp. And that's also integrated with Amazon business. So those all kind of feed into QuickBooks online, which is the main brain, if you will. And once it's in there, that's used for all of the all of the necessary accounting and taxes and investor reporting and the like. But getting that all woven together was a bit of an effort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, your point, I think you can drop more parks onto that platform and you're not going to have some of the, the wheels getting a little bit shaky that we might've had earlier in the life cycle. Right. So this is interesting to me. It's a, and it, obviously I don't have experience owning the parks and working with accounting software and ramps cards and things like that, but I do own four businesses that are totally different and not nearly as scary as running campgrounds. But it is interesting to me that I would have told you I've owned, started working for my first campground probably in 2011, 2012. And I would have told you probably at numerous points throughout those years that I was good. I was happy. Like I was a geek. I'm, I've done my automation. I've done my scaling. I've got my IT. And then something new comes out and I realize I can save two more hours or six more hours or eight more hours. And so one of the things we're obsessed with right now is Zapier and the automations that we can do. There's hundreds of those different things in some in combination with AI, but some not. And it's fascinating to me, the amount of things that you can do just through that platform. And I've probably saved my team like 130 hours a week starting yes. and I've only done, I don't know, six of what I want to do. So it's really interesting of when I think I'm, this is it. And then I find I was just getting started. Oh, it's, yeah, it's once you're on the roller coaster, there's a stopping point. Even listening to Allie talk about bill.com, I've used that in previous instances. We don't use it now. And my brain immediately says, I need to look and see if that's a piece that we need to plug in for all of our AP kind of work. Yeah. Yep. yeah. There's another one. I think Avid Pay is a competitor to them too. But I, yeah, some of our clients use bill.com to pay us. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. user friendly dashboard, easy platform. Well, Allie and Eric, you may have run into this. We're at the, we're at the point right now where we get, hundreds of bills in some in the peak of the season, like a week. And so these stacks of bills are coming in. We're looking at a solution right now that will open, scan, and distribute those. And then we can load that into something like a bill.com. Whereas right now it's a, that, that particular part, part of our operations workflow is pretty manual, cumbersome, time consuming. And we're looking at ways to really screen that. Well, as soon as you find that solution, would you share it with us? Because yeah. And I know a few people who are tired of opening envelopes. I bet you could do a lot of that through Zapier. I, seriously, <laughs> I bet you could do a lot of that through Zapier. Like the scanning part would be the hardest part, right? Like who, whoever manually input, like if you could manually input the data into CRM, like a monday.com or something, I could take that data and feed it and automate it and do Slack messages and emails and data mm -hmm. entry points and connect it to QuickBooks and do, it's just getting it in there. So the scan yeah. is the hard part. That's the only thing I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But. For sure. Yeah. It's so many fun little things to tweak, improve. <laughs> yeah. the hard, like the hardest thing for us, and I don't know if you guys were like the hardest thing for us, it might, like I've known that Zapier is a really powerful tool, but it's finding the time to build it out. Even though you know that I can build this stuff out and it will save me an ungodly amount of hours after I do the initial 16 hours to sit down and do everything is just too much to carve out. Yep. So, we, yep. Know that flight for sure. 
that's, yeah, hopefully 2023 is our year for, for stuff like that. That's our plan. We're sitting here at the most recent acquisition, but we are for sure expecting that this little pause right now for honing of operations should include things like that. Yeah, absolutely. There's mind numbing and exciting at the same time. It's very true. That's what I discovered, honestly. And it, AI was the trigger for me for the Zapier and to start building that out, even though it doesn't all have to do with AI. But the trigger for me was like, I realized that I don't have to build a 16 hour innovation or Zapier thing to get a, a tangible benefit. So I'll give you one example for the social posting we do for some clients. We will actually write the social posts. Our writers will write it and then we'll send it to ChatGPT through their API and we'll tell it you're a professional grammar and spell checker. And I want you to come back and give me three ways that the sentence structure could be improved, the grammar could be improved, the spelling could be improved. And so most of the time it's fine, but that saves somebody else from QCing that social post on half of a writer. So that ends up, let's say one person, 30 hours a week, who was just my QC. And now she can write better content or coordinate with clients and get better images or local posts or whatever else. That was, that was the brainstormer for me that flipped my switch that I'm going all in on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're on the, we're like on the cusp of being smart about using chat GPT. We're all sort of in exploratory mode right now in disbelief that I'm still in disbelief as good as yeah. it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Brian was showing me some of the stuff with chat GPT four, which he has access to as the next generation of what we're exposed to publicly now. And it's amazing. What is, we are at our early stage baby steps. Yeah. With what's, what's coming without a doubt. Yeah. As you guys know, you have to know how to write, ask the right questions. And, you know, in the sense of AI, it's called prompts, which is just really the, the easy way of saying it is just how to ask the right question. Yeah. And, and AI will, the same thing is asking for the end result, Xavier and Zapier, that certainly is the same concept is what do I really want to achieve here. What I need, what zaps do I need to lay on top of each other to make this work? That's the hardest thing for us has been getting our employees to tell us this is something that I think is tedious in my day because they yes. don't believe it can be automated. So they look at it and think, I just have to do that. It's part of my job. It's always been yeah. part of my job. And, I, and so I've got everybody in my company giving me a list of their 20 things that take the most time by May 1st. And I said, I don't care if you think it can be automated or not, like I'll figure out a way to automate it. That's so that, what did we just ask our team to do? It's roles, responsibilities, and expectations. Similar to that, we've asked everyone to like outline what they think they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. We can figure out what we're missing, where were the gaps. Um, it, the hardest part is figuring out what question to ask of the leader to get the right, right answer. Yes, absolutely true. I'll tell you, one to Travis's point about asking the right prompts, yeah, who has gotten really good at that with respect to chat GBT, is my two or are my two teenage daughters. And so looking at the role of that in education and it's a whole other discussion topic for another podcast for sure. But yeah, it's just touching so many different parts of the economy and society at once in a very short period of time. Yeah. Seeing where it goes is going to be super interesting. I would love to set up, honestly, and we almost did this and I have a brand called Camp Vantage that I was going to do this with. But I would love to just start another podcast for a half hour where we talk not just about AI, but about Zapier and automations and efficiencies and ways to make parks better. That's a little bit easier. That's solely focused on that. People be with a problem and we'll solve it live on the air. Or we'll figure out a way. That would be fascinating to me. I think it would help a lot. That is really cool. I agree. But yeah. Anyway, few minutes left. Closing thoughts. I don't think we got to as much as we wanted to, but I'm curious, by the way, if the what both Ali, Eric, and Nate, what you guys see in deal flow in the coming 12, 24 months. Obviously, we've got some macro issues and different things going on. Demand still seems strong, of course, but I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I go ahead, Nate. I have to. It was currently the deal flow changed in the past several months. There's been macro conditions caused a bit of a bid ask spread between buyer and seller for sure. I think we're starting to converge into where things will land long term. We're expecting a slow year on the acquisition front. We think, who knows? Who knows what, depending on what your crystal ball says. Maybe there's a lot, a lot of things that'll loosen up here at the end of the year into early next year. I think we'll start seeing a lot of, a lot more of attractive buying opportunities. Again, who knows? Right now is not. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah there, there's a lag time between seller expectations and yeah. buyer realities that yeah. we're in right now. And similar to Ali and Eric, 
we're fortunate in the sense that we've got a lot of internal baseball that we've got to handle right now. And so yeah. it's getting into the parks open, which are seasonal yep. and redoing a bunch of the legal structure for how we fundraise and how we work with investors right now as well. There's, we have lots of things that it's actually kind of nice timing. We've got a, a little bit of a, a breather. Deal flow is there's still a lot of opportunities out there. It's, do they fit our criteria? Are they priced reasonably? Exactly. Yeah. If you look at just rates versus cap rates and those types of spreads, it's, it's not quite where we were. It's nowhere near where we were a year ago, two years ago. There needs to be a little bit of a settling out. So I expect we'll probably do a couple of acquisitions this year if we find ones that fit those criteria yep. and have the right types of attributes. But it's also nice to have a little bit of a breather, like I said, to be really buttressing some things that we know need some work that we can then, when that does happen, scale back up pretty aggressively. Appreciate that. That's great feedback. Oh, yeah. Travis, I feel like I have a lot of questions for you and how you're, who's doing what for you guys? I have the 10,000 in my head, but who of those 10,000 are, like, who is going to be interacting with the seller? Which individual? Is it you? Yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'm definitely part of the deal flow. I'm a real estate broker. That's part of my background as well. Certainly bring that to the table. But what we're forming is committees, which is similar. So we have an acquisition committee. We have a, an operations committee. So similar to what you guys are doing and we talked about organizing our businesses, be a very similar capacity where people would raise their hands. People have skills in those certain areas. We align them with that committee. In some cases, they'll get paid. And that, that's, a, yeah, we would definitely take advantage of, the, of our community as much as possible. And then internal team members will probably have to be, in some cases, hired from the outside, of course. And certainly on-site staff will most likely, the majority will be made up not of our 10,000 members. I'd love to continue this conversation for another hour, but we all have things to do, I'm sure. And we'll have to have you back on again. Like, I'd love to hear more about the Spacious Guys stories. Awesome. You get continue to grow, KCN, wow. lots yeah. of growth in your future. You guys obviously pull well off each other. So we'll probably just have Allie, you and Eric back on with Nate on another show in the future. Uh, and then, Travis, of course, I would I could unpack everything with you for... That would, that would be wonderful. This yeah. is our, our favorite it. topic. It is our favorite mm -hmm. thing to talk about. <laughs> so, right? It's, it better not be car washes or anything else. So. <laughs> but thank you guys. I really appreciate you joining us for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Firefly Reservations, for sponsoring this episode. Again, if you're looking for RV Parker Campground Management software, give them a try. See if their demo is a good fit for you. Other than that, we appreciate everyone for showing up. And we will see you all next week on another episode of MC Fireside Chats. I have to move my hand. I'm not used to seeing this view. All right. See you later. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.